0: The human spirit is unconquerable. We are individuals and we are sovereign, born with unlimited potential, gifted from our creator. Our mission is to break free from the systems that bind us. I volunteer as tribute. We strive for peace and prosperity and overcome all challenges, roadblocks, and obstacles. We are empowered because we think for ourselves and we act for ourselves. We are self-reliant and independent, but guided by the wisdom of those who share our values. What possible difference can I make? There is no government, no ruler, nor ideas that are able to stop us. We are driven to succeed because we seek political freedom, financial freedom, and spiritual freedom. It's all for nothing if you don't have freedom. This is Mike Corbell, and you are listening to the Invictus Mind. Hello, everyone. Thanks for coming back to the Invictus Mind podcast. This is your host, Mike Corbell. I'm grateful to be here and grateful for everyone checking us out. If you are here for the first time, this is the podcast where we have discourse on how to communicate freely and voluntarily in search of political freedom. We discuss opportunities in our personal economies in search of financial freedom, and we explore our gifts, talents, belief systems, and faith-promoting activities in search of spiritual freedom. We discuss how to magnify our callings and become unconquerable. Just wanna leave a reminder that you can find the Invictus Mind podcast in any of your favorite podcatchers. The videos are up on YouTube and Patreon. And if you like this show, please go ahead and subscribe and leave leave us a review on Apple. I would greatly appreciate that. We also have a newsletter that way more people need to get where we will update all of the show notes. We will provide great information on our affiliates and other business opportunities. If you're looking to get out of that J-O-B and wish to start something of your own, Just text the word Invictus, I-N-V-I-C-T-U-S to 33777, and I'll be sure to send you some great stuff. All right, today in the program, I'm having a discussion with a person I believe is making a difference in his community. I discovered him while I was listening to another great podcast. I thought his demeanor and attitude were perfect for this show, so I reached out to him to come chat with me. My guest today is a firefighter by trade, so it's fitting when he says he likes to run counter to the direction most people run in. He makes his home in Texas. He also shares an interest with me as a musician. He is a drummer for a band. I was a bass player, for those who have not heard. But he's also a podcaster. His show recently had a name change. It was formerly called the Death to Tyrants podcast, but now it can be found under the name CounterFlow, where he features interviews with thinkers who hold views outside the narrow framework of fashionable opinion. He likes to challenge conventional left versus right binary paradigm of political thought and focus more on the real distinction of what it means to be free or unfree. I'd like to welcome to the show Buck Johnson. How you doing, Buck?
1: Good, Mike. Thanks for having me on.
0: Oh, you're welcome. You know, before we started recording, I just saw a meme that said, though much of the power grid is shut off in Texas, the media is reporting that Senator Ted Cruz is on vacation in Cancun, Mexico. But it also said that fortunately, Texas state requires a mandate for one course in government to graduate high school. So most Texans also know that U.S. senators don't have the power to control the power grids there.
1: Yes, that's uh, not only was, you know, I I haven't investigated when he flew to Mexico. It certainly I'm assuming was not in the last few days because flights were uh, canceled. So I'm assuming it was before this went down. But yeah, I thought even if it wasn't, he's a U.S. senator. So because he lives here, I'm not sure what he's going to do with the power grids.
0: Well, luckily you have power today, so that's always a good thing.
1: Yeah. I uh, As of yesterday at 5.30-ish, no more rolling blackouts. So it's all good. And I, it's funny. I had an interview yesterday with a guy, and our blackouts were happening every two hours. And... So I was like, I wrote him, Hey man, can I bump, you know, cause the interview was going to fall within the blackout hour and I had, he, you know, I had to readjust everything. I had no idea when I booked it, that my complete loss of power would be happening every two hours at my house. So yeah, it's been weird, but, uh, we're, I'm very fortunate really that everything's back on water works for the most part. I'm clean. It's nice.
0: Well, here in Chicago, it's dumped like probably two feet of collective snow on us over the last month. Uh, It's probably snowed nonstop for like the whole month of February so far. It's just ridiculous.
1: (laughs) So, you guys are up there like, what's wrong with Texas? They're freaking out. It just snowed a few days.
0: (laughs) Exactly. exactly. We're not
1: used to it. (laughs) It's beautiful, though. It is is nice. Oh, yeah. It's gorgeous. It's a winter wonderland in my big ass yard, which is, you don't usually see that. You know, it's cool.
0: Nice, nice, but you're originally from California, aren't you?
1: I was born in Texas uh grew up a little bit here, and then moved to California for a few years when I was young and then back to Texas
0: okay, very cool. I've been through Texas one time, I spent a, a weekend in dallas uh, Fort Worth area. It was nice, so not snowy, but it was very hot
1: yeah it's it's rough in the summer, I'll be honest, you know, August is a rough time, but having been through this this last week, i'll take uh, August in Texas over m- m- trying not to bust my ass walking on a driveway, you know, <laughs> just to go to my truck. I'm walking like I'm on an ice skating rink.
0: Well, Buck, I appreciate you uh, taking the time to, to chat with me a little bit today. You know, I've seen you on Facebook for a while. I never really uh, made contact with you. I just kind of saw your name uh, floating around there. And it wasn't until you were on the Lions of Liberty podcast that I actually discovered who you were. And then, of course, I checked out your podcast.
1: Well, cool. Yeah, a lot of people jumped on board after the appearance on Lions of Liberty.
0: Well, you know, there's about 100,000 libertarian podcasters out there. Kidding. And, uh, you know, when, when I heard Death to Tyrants, I said, okay, it's probably just another run-of-the-mill podcast. And the first thought that came to my head was uh, the word Six Semper Tyrannus. So I don't right. know if that's where you came up with your name or not.
1: Partially, yeah. I mean, I, I got it from, from that. And uh, it also happened to be in a song uh, that I liked a lot. And then I'm covered with tattoos. You can't see it right now. Cause I'm, it's cold here. So I have a hoodie on, but yeah, and I have death to tyrants, um, tattooed across my chest too, uh, from an old school sailor, uh, tattoo style piece that I got. Oh, so nice. it just, it was part of my life in so many ways. I, I love Southern history and obviously that's what John Wilkes Booth said, uh, before he shot Lincoln. And so it kind of spurred from that and, and, uh, yeah, then I ended up changing it after all of that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, you got the death to tyrants banner hanging in the back there, so yeah, that's cool. yeah,
1: still got a cool banner for it. Um, so I'm keeping that. I'm keeping that.
0: Awesome, awesome, cool. So, uh, Buck, you're a magician, not a magician. a musician.
1: <laughs> yes, I play magical music. Maybe I'm both. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm a drummer. I, as as my bandmates in the past have said, you're not a musician. You're you're the drummer. Um, wow. that's a good joke for you guys to actually place, you know, scales and whatnot.
0: Well, I was a bass player, so I was always neck and neck with the drummer. So yes, uh, you know, most guitar players are in their own world and in the bass and the drums kind of just fade away into the back. But uh, yeah. I think that we drive the music more than anything else.
1: We do. We do. and We don't get the glory. We're the unsung heroes.
0: So are you currently touring or anything like that? Playing in a band or are you just kind of put it on hiatus? How's that going?
1: Uh, the latter. Yes. It's, I put it on Hiatus. Maybe by necessity at some point in 2020, as you, everyone knows, 2020 was kind of strange for musicians trying to play gigs. And also I moved out of the city that I was living in hmm. um, and, and, to, and I'm a small town now here in Texas. And so I kind of got soured on there were so many musicians that I knew that were pro-lockdown. And they didn't want to have gigs, and they'd rather sit down, watch Netflix for a year or something like that, and collect unemployment. Uh, that's not all of them. You know, I, I knew some that it was a very hard time for. Uh, but I kind of I got soured on the musical world. And, and Austin in general, the city I was in, uh, is just, I got very blackpilled on Austin. So moving away from that and out of that mess, kind of got me i've been so focused on the podcast lately that the music stuff's not a big deal to me i hope my friends that are that i'm still close with in the music scene are able to start playing gigs at some point but i don't have as much interest in it for right now we'll say
0: gotcha that was one thing i missed i was in a band years ago and and i i would love to get back into playing music again but uh, i can't imagine why people would just love the lockdowns and just be at home i I would want to be out on stage and in front of people all the time so
1: yeah it was uh a little surprising some of the people not so surprising with others but certainly disappointing i would say
0: but most musicians i come across are either very libertarian or very liberal and so uh, you know
1: yeah that's that's for sure that's uh an extreme minority are very libertarian and a giant majority at least in austin are pretty far left and the interesting thing is, with without a real understanding of politics, it's just kind of the default mode in the brain. Um, I think I'm a leftist, and I here's what I should like. It's kind of that. Not a lot of research done.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, the ones that do a lot of research do tend to be a little bit more libertarian, I, I suppose.
0: I'm thinking of the punk rock and anarchy, but uh, you don't really get that too much anymore. Now, instead of uh, being against the rules, all the punk rockers are like, obey the rules.
1: Yes, it's it's terrible. It's terrible. Yeah, the, uh, the punk rock that I remember this past few months, Johnny Rotten from the Sex Pistols was photographed with a, a MAGA hat on. And so many left-wing punkers that I know were so upset. Oh my God, he supports the Nazi, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, he's just doing it to piss people off because that's what punk rockers used to do. And now you guys are like simping for Joe Biden. What a, what a change.
0: Crazy world we live in.
1: Yeah, it is. It's 2020 unveiled. Uh, they took the mask off everyone. That's for sure. <laughs> as we had, as we're supposed to be wearing them, but it unmasked a lot of uh, people It just 2020, the Trump years, COVID the lockdowns, it kind of unveiled people's true uh, characters.
0: Yeah, you know, for one thing, I'm glad for 2020 for one reason. I, I've always wanted to be into podcasting, and I finally learned how to actually put one together. And I spent uh, most of last year just learning all the ins and outs of of this trade. Mm-hmm. And uh, like I said, I listened to a lot, probably more podcasters, more podcasts than I should admit to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I really liked yours. I've, I've been listening to your uh, your Counterflow podcast for a while, and. Thank you, Buck. Since you know this is the first time I'm meeting you, I thought that maybe you just spend a minute to kind of tell your story and, uh, and and what your show is all about.
1: Well, w- which which part of my story should I start with? Uh, you mean like the political journey part of it, or or how I started the podcast, or or which part?
0: So, am um, I guessing that you started a podcast before the political? No, change or, no, okay, uh, no.
1: Um, so I mean, i I'm basically. I would say libertarian, you know, I I don't, we might get into this. I don't love that term as a, as a label, but um, I guess if there's people listening to this show between you and I, they can, they will understand some more nuanced uh, things than just the word libertarian. I I would say maybe paleo libertarian. And uh, so I've been that for since late 90s or 2000 or so basically a libertarian blue-pilled libertarian for a while it's kind of a reasoned cato guy through my uh, 20s and 30s but um so the show counterflow I-, I took the brand of libertarian off of it from from when i had death to tyrants and and i did that because well i jumped on board with thaddeus russell's renegade media network and he said let's do a slight rebranding. You are too strident with death to tyrants and rah, rah, you know, I'm this libertarian guy and cap, and you're going to, you're going to limit your audience and put a ceiling on things. And he, he was very complimentary saying, you know, I think you're very good and you shouldn't put a ceiling on yourself with, with a label like libertarian. And I, I think you could grow your audience a lot more. So, um, and at the same time, I had been kind of thinking uh, that as well, because I, I had reached out to certain people I had been turned down uh, by guests because of the name death to tyrants and then I I had been turned down by some guests because of the term libertarian. And so that was frustrating me you know because I thought the libertarians have a certain I mean it just depends what audience you're discussing it with, but we have a certain stereotype out there and it, it, it like I said, it depends on the audience it can be, uh, it changes depending on which crowd you're talking to. But I was like, I'm not what you think, you know, and it would frustrate me. Well, maybe I should just quit, get the name Libertarian off of this. And then at the same time, like I said, Thad was approaching me to come on his network. So it was just appropriate timing uh, for a name change. And that's that's the story of the CounterFlow podcast.
0: Well, that's awesome. Yeah, it seems like the last few conversations I've had was about this, uh, I, I call it a futility of of, of- using labels in a mm-hmm. political, uh, arena because so many people get confused. And, uh, like you said, just one guy wearing a MAGA hat, whether or not you are a diehard Trumper or you just, you know, voted for him, half the country just went bonkers because of, of one guy in political power. And so like, I think that 2020 really unveiled a lot of these, uh, nuances that we need to focus on and, and, and labels are kind of going by the wayside in my opinion.
1: Yes. Yes. And, and, uh, I was getting attacked by some people online just in the last few days and throw, you know, they're, they're throwing libertarian as kind of a, they're throwing it at me and saying, well, it's libertarians guys, their racism and, and intellectual wording and stuff like that. strange. It's not true. But even that I was like, see, even this guy still calls me a libertarian. I hate this, you know?
0: Yeah, I remember when you uh, when we first connected, you were asking me what I call uh, myself—an
1: anarchist and a minarchist, or or
0: what—and you know, it just really depends on who I'm talking to. I I kind of I I have my own thought process, right? I'm an individual, as most libertarians will say. I'm an individual, so don't put me in a box. I, I really hate that.
1: Yes. Yeah. Exactly. And and I think when there's conversations within our bubble, like between you and me, using those words is makes more sense sometimes because if you said, well, I'm an ANCAP, that helps me paint a picture a little bit. It makes more sense. If you tell your normie normie friend, I'm an anarchist or something, I'm an ANCAP, they they take it quite differently usually.
0: They think that you're one of those people that uh, separated themselves in Chad in uh, in Washington State or something like that, right?
1: Yeah, well, and a lot of people hear anarchist and they think exactly, Chad, and they picture a guy in all black throwing a Molotov cocktail at Starbucks. Not Murray Rothbard, you know?
0: All right, guys, let's take a quick second. I want to thank our awesome sponsor for today's show, which is Pack Crest Botanicals. If you listen to episode 55 of this show, then you heard my conversation with Michael Pickens. He is the CEO of Pack Crest Botanicals, which offers the highest quality herbal supplements, natural topicals, and CBD hemp products. They also carry Delta 8 vape cartridges. Now Delta-8 is fully legal in all 50 states, and unlike regular Delta-9 cannabis, when you take it, you get a nice relaxing body sensation without the anxiety or paranoia you sometimes get with recreational products. With Pack Crest, your medicine gets shipped directly to your home. It comes in a little undisclosed box and ready to go. Pack Crest Botanicals also has full-spectrum tinctures, adaptogen teas, mushroom blends, and even topicals and balms. So go to PackCrestBotanicals.com. The listeners of this program will get a 30% discount on their first order. Just type in the word Invictus at checkout. That's PackCrestBotanicals.com with discount code Invictus for 30% off. They don't skimp on quality because the stuff they sell is the stuff they want to use. Now let's get back to the show. Well, anyway, it's uh it's obvious to me, Buck, that from listening to a few of your shows, that uh, you definitely put a lot of thought into uh, into your program and, uh, and definitely are... Um, Very intellectual, which I appreciate. And uh, in the conversations I try to have with this podcast, it's not just your run-of-the-mill libertarian show where we're just going to complain about the government all day long. But I really want to challenge people's paradigms to think more intellectually going forward, because I think that's that's something that's missing in today's world.
1: Yes, that's for sure. It's uh, Jeff Dice from the Mises Institute calls it. He says we're in post-persuasion America, and we are, you know, I, I see people, libertarians sometimes try to argue logic with like their normie friends and that stuff, it just goes right over their head. It's, yeah, it's an, it's an age of anti-intellectualism for sure that we're in right now.
0: Well, it's funny that you say that though, because I, I've been in sales most of my career. And uh, what I learned about sales is that most people don't actually make decisions using logic rather emotion. Right. So I think a large a large thing missing in the libertarian message is the emotional connection that people want to have uh, towards their ideologies.
1: Yeah, that's ex- that's that is the biggest thing missing in libertarianism. I would say, uh, I think Ron Paul had some of that in his presidential runs in '08 and '12. You have to have a bit of the populism in your message uh, that that normal non eggheads can relate to. And so sometimes that's emotional at things, you know, it's, it's, it's preaching, Hey, th- this system is against you. You know, things like that, where you're getting that, that reaches people better than uh, trying to explain academically why the uh, minimum wage wouldn't work, you know? So, so I, yeah, we're missing that. Uh, we're missing a lot of the emotional connection with people and, you know, people joke that we're, autistic and everything and there is maybe something to that but that's one of the reasons we have that that stereotype is because it's so black and white a lot of times well why would you be for the minimum wage do you not understand that that's going to disproportionately affect poor people and here's what you know we're so well read often that the moments me. Enormi- uses a term or a subject or a word that we've studied. It's like, we can't wait to show you how much we know about this one subject without the emotional appeal.
0: Yeah. I think that uh, we need to connect with uh, the normies on their level first and yes. then kind of bring, draw them back into what we're talking about and yeah. much more effective. That's yeah. why I love music so much because I think it does touch that emotional uh, um, part in, you know, in our soul. And um, you know, we just need more more good libertarian musicians out there. You know, that, that's something I'd be interested in hearing. Anyway.
1: Yeah, no doubt. It's, oftentimes, you're drawn to a song or a record. You hear the music first, and too often libertarians are out here trying to preach the lyrics before we show people the music. And so I think that's part of it, it too, because. Often, then you get into a band or a song, and you, oh man, listen! These words are really clever, but it's it's the it's the hook of the song that caught you initially.
0: Yeah, that's that's a good way of putting it right there. Is, is the hook and listening to the music before the the actual lyrics. Yes. So, uh, Buck, um, I was really interested in uh, when you, you told me you were a firefighter. Mm -hmm. reason for is uh, firefighters are always known as heroes out there and driving around. I see all these signs that say heroes live here, heroes live here, Uh and and they're hardly ever talking about firefighters. But I think of all the government positions out there, firefighters are probably the very most heroic of all of them.
1: Well, thanks. It's uh, yeah, that heroes live here stuff. (laughs) Thank goodness. Most firefighters I know wouldn't fall into the trap of putting that kind of messaging and signaling out there like that yeah the nurses and, and teachers are doing that it seems like that's who's doing it around here it's crazy the heroes live here thing there's a hospital in austin and it's got a walkway uh between two sections that goes over a, a busy street and that's what it says giant and block letters across it heroes work here hmm. such a strange thing to you don't you shouldn't do a job so you can uh brag about that part of it being you know that's just silly so thanks for the compliment about firefighters but yeah luckily most of us that i know wouldn't signal such a strange thing like hey look at me i'm a big hero and stuff like that because yeah those the signs are ubiquitous they're all over the place teachers and nurses that's who's doing it i'm positive
0: well, I mean, uh, not to put you on the spot with you know being a hero because that's just what I think of when I think of firefighters. But uh, you know, if you don't mind, tell me a little bit about how you got interested in that line of work.
1: Well, I was uh, young. Uh, let's see, nine in my 18, 19. and my my grandfather. Every man on my mom's side of the family was a firefighter, and so I it was always in the backdrop a little bit, but oddly enough from what I can remember, I don't think I had ever been to a fire station in my childhood ever. So it wasn't where like my whole life, that's I'm going to be what grandpa was and, and that kind of thing, but it was always there. And I knew of it and excuse me, I was a musician in my teen years in uh, a band that played every Friday and Saturday night in San Antonio. And so at that age 17 and 18, I made enough money doing that to get by and live basically, because I was pay- playing music so often. Hmm. And I told myself as I was doing that and living that part through the 17, 18 year uh, of my life that I'm never going to get a job ever again. That, you know, in the past, I'd worked at a grocery store and I said, I'm never going to get a job. That's not a career. So I'm either going to be playing music and, and scraping by like this, you know, I'm I'm 18. It's not that big of a deal. Or I will have a career. And then I was just driving along one day and I, I was actually going to see my grandfather. And I was like, hmm, he was a firefighter. That's a pretty cool thought. And I kind of went from there. I got into it and I started when I was 19 in one fire department and then moved to a different one when I was 21. And so been doing that my whole life.
0: Well, I'm sure it's a very satisfying career.
1: It's fun. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I've been doing it now for 20, almost 23 years. I guess I could stop at some point. <laughs> and so we'll see how it goes. But yeah, it's been, there's been a lot of fun moments. There's a lot of good people uh, in in the job. I will say that.
0: Well, cool. And you're not always running into fires or anything like that. And, and acting like a hero, you said that, uh, you know, you, firefighters themselves don't want to brag about that kind of work, but uh, it is necessities of what you do. But, uh, you know, there's probably a, there's probably a lot of downtime and a lot of time to, to study and, and to, to yes. learn about other things, right?
1: Yes, there is. It gives you time. A friend of mine, Donnie Gebert, that's been on my show a few times was in the military for forever. And, uh, He said, basically, I read Rothbard, Mises, Hayek, uh, Walter Block while I was getting paid by the military. (laughs) And he said he had so much downtime. And so I thought, you know, that's funny. I've done a very similar thing, getting paid by the fire department. Um, I went from in my 20s getting these audio tapes from the Cato Institute that taught you the history of libertarian thought, essentially. And then to, you know, now I'm getting these books from Mises Institute. And I find myself quite often in the evenings at, at, at work, sitting in my bed, reading those. So yeah, it's interesting. A little twist of irony in there, I suppose, as well.
0: So what are the other uh, co-firefighters? You call them co-firefighters or your partners or whatever, right? Your co-workers. What do they think about some of the things that you're studying? Do you ever have conversations about that with
1: them? Oh, or? all the time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, a couple of them listen to my podcast. I, there's several people within the fire department that I work for that listen to the podcast Uh, more than I thought I I get messages sometimes uh, from them and it's like oh wow you listen to my show that's cool I wouldn't have thought that (laughs) Um, but yeah they tease me a little bit about it Um, we were playing uh, this online game the other night and where you put in these joke answers and it kept being like one said the the, the hint was subtle brag and someone the answer wrote i have a podcast and they're you know they tease me about it but but a lot of uh, co-workers ask me stuff too um because they know that it, I, I do read a bunch of stuff on current events and lockdowns and and now this power outage stuff that we're having and so they'll come to me and say hey what what's the what's the latest news on this or that or what are your thoughts on this and you know i get a lot of that and so yeah some of them tease me but i think some of them respect uh respect it as well and then some of them just don't care about this kind of life the, the libertarian stuff so yeah but it's it's a mix but i think it's mostly positive uh from them
0: it always fascinates me when i hear uh, um real diehard anarchists talk about uh, how we want to privatize everything mhm and I have this conversation sometimes with, you know, if the government only handles the fire department or only built the roads, they wouldn't be that bad.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think in, in theoretically I'm, I would be an anarcho-capitalist and I am for private hundred percent privatization, but I often told people, look, if we're down to the point in society where the arguments over minarchy versus anarchy, I'm fine you know that we're in a good spot. Yeah. If they, if they do the roads and the fire department EMS, you know, I'm not going to be out there picketing by any means. Um, theoretically and philosophically, I think, um, Rothbard was correct in his, and in, in Hoppe in, in privatizing everything, but yeah, it, it's, it's not my hill to die on, so to speak. And it, having a, a government fire department does not hurt my feelings. In fact, it's, it's made my whole life. So, uh, yeah, it it would it could and would work. I've got a lot of theories on how you would privatize it and how it could work that way. But I think we're uh, quite a ways off from that happening.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, we got to stop the wars and stop the, the drug yes. war and everything like yeah. that. And all, all the bad things that government does that hurt people, I think those are the, the number one things we should focus on.
1: Yeah, let's work on the Federal Reserve and the military industrial complex. And uh, we'll conquer those first.
0: Very cool. So I want to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, this ideology of uh, you you mentioned black pill, red pill and all this other stuff before. And uh, I I really think that going forward in 2021, that uh, there's a lot of reason for people to be black pilled or have this sensation of all hope is lost. But uh, me, I always try to look at the positive things that are happening. You know, a lot of changes in technology. A lot of things are becoming decentralized. Uh, a lot more people obviously are podcasting, getting the message out. Uh, a friend of mine calls uh, us the pamphleteers of this. Yes. <laughs> yes. I used that same term. Yeah. <laughs> And so you know there, there's a lot of positive things going on, uh, you know, especially in the liberty movement, if you want to call it that. So what are some of your thoughts about that?
1: Yeah, i I'm pretty white pilled and and like you said, i I try to end most of my episodes on an optimistic note, but I'm an optimistic person in general, because life is pretty dang good. let's let's face it. And I did see a lot of black pilled uh, friends especially after the last election. And it's not like they were Trumpers by any means, but it's just when when the left, it appears, are taking over, retaking over the seats of power where they pretty much already controlled everything. And now it's like, it felt, I think it felt to a lot of us like Trump was kind of a dam and, and just a little bit to where it slows down some of the, the flow essentially that's headed our way of, of leftist domineering domination. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I could see the reason that, that people are like, Oh God, here we go. And you start seeing people kicked off all these platforms and rumors and, and then it happening of banks kicking people out because of their politics and stuff like that. And you start to think like, I'm not going to have a voice soon. My mortgage is my mortgage company is going to, the bank's going to, you know, resend my mortgage and all of this stuff because of my politics. But I think that's, that's getting too, that's getting too far down the rabbit hole of being black pilled. And when you see things like that GameStop stock thing that happened, that how could that not be a white pill? And you start (laughs) to realize that was an organic grassroots movement that just gave a giant kicking the balls to the cathedral Mm -hmm. and they couldn't stop it. So, and again, like you said, that's technology. That's technology allowed that to happen. And I made a recent comment on a show that it's like whack-a-mole and that the cathedral is going to try to, to silence someone or to get rid of this platform or to shut out these people but it's going to pop back up over here and they can't keep doing the same thing. It's just, there's too many of us that are red pilled and have motivation and, and hate the state and hate the cathedral that you just, you can't silence us. It's just not going to happen.
0: Mm-hmm. I actually, uh, I work in a financial industry. And so uh, I had a conversation with uh, with my manager about the GameStop situation. And I was very happy and delighted to hear him say that it was a win for the little guy because that's always been our message, you know, trying to help people become financially aware of not only their options, but, uh, you know, like get off the uh, debt off their back and to get out of the the thumb of uh, dependence uh, on a on federal system. And yeah. uh, like you said, when, when when GameStop happened, I I, I never really got into, into personal trading or anything like that. And I missed that boat. Unfortunately, I, I would have loved to, you know, make a little bit of money. But yeah. uh, but you know it, I think the more that people are aware of stories like that, the more hope that they can get.
1: yes, exactly and and the reaction to those type of events is often more important than the event itself. And I say that because when you see something like uh, Elizabeth Warren, her reaction to it wasn't, you know, she's Mrs. Uh, populist leftist, all this stuff for the little guy, and her reaction was. She was upset at at the effect it had on the rich people. Mm -hmm. So when normal folks see that reaction, it just each time it red pills people and it happened with the election, you know, all the Trump voters, wait a second. So this system's kind of rigged against us. Okay. Boom. Giant red pill. So each time those events happen, the reaction to it is what's truly important. And I think that's the white pill because there's going to be so many more people seeing the cathedral for what it truly is, and uh, I think that's that's a good thing. How could how could that not be good?
0: Well, exactly. Uh, you know, the, the system that we've been living under for so long has just put a, a done a good job putting blinders over all of our eyes. I mean, yeah. Uh, you know, Mencius mobile calls it the cathedral, and I think that's a fitting term yeah Uh, it's uh, it's just an organization that uh, people have no idea how destructive it actually is to society and yet they just go along with it and uh, you know they just play the game and and when they get hurt they want to they want to be angry and they want to point fingers but uh, they don't realize that they actually have the power within themselves to uh, to go against the flow like that's why i love the name of your show counter that's
1: right
0: cool so um with um With your podcast, I've heard, like I said, I've heard a couple episodes. I heard one with Mark Clare. Of course, I heard the one with Thaddeus Russell. I love Thaddeus. I think his show is great. Yes, uh, you've had uh, you had Matthew Erickson on his show, and yeah, you really get into some deep thought there.
1: Matt Erickson is something else. He's he's, I love listening to him talk. He he's you know he's the one that introduced me to Moldbug, and and not so much introduced me in the fact you know of course I knew who he was and. And I had seen him on on a few uh, podcasts, heard him on a few podcasts, seen him on the videos, and of course, uh, you know I've read Malice's book, The New Right," and he's talked about it in there. but uh, Matt Erickson really is like the, the one that just reached out and said, "Look, read this piece first, read this piece second, and, and then and then work from there." And I was hooked hooked after Matt Erickson told me all that stuff, so I have him to thank for it.
0: Mm. So at least you have the desire to to realize that uh, there's more to life than what uh, you know what we've seen you know with our own eyes like mm-hmm. I said going back to libertarianism most people that i find within that movement are stuck in a certain paradigm which they consider outside of the mainstream but even within that own paradigm of libertarian thought there are so many different diversions that you can take and so many different avenues you can go down and uh, that's why i think labels are just such a bad thing
1: Yes, it is. Yeah, that you could um, say the same thing. It, you're, you're so right on that. And it's, it happens with music, too. I was in such a niche of the type of music that I was listening to and playing that at some point I thought, maybe I've heard it all. Like, have I heard all of the kind of music that I like? And then it's like, wait a second. No, no. And then you discover this other route this way. And this other road leads you to this. And there's so much. And even though it's so much has all been made, you can't even find every tune that's been made through the years nineteen fifty-five to fifty-six. You're not you still haven't heard all of those. And so, yeah, very much like libertarian thought and liberty-based circles of thought, we could say there's so much out there. There's the it's just you think you've read it all, you haven't. There's which is that's wonderful. There's always more to read, always more to learn. And if you're stagnant, just like in life, you can't be stagnant and happy with where you're at because you're falling behind at that point. There's so much information out there. It's just a long, uh, I don't like the term journey is kind of cheesy, but it really is that. And so, yeah, it's that's that's part of the fun, discovering new things like that. And then sometimes discovering someone that someone says is cool, you got to read this book and yeah, maybe that's not for you, but there's, yeah, it's just wonderful.
0: Yeah, that's why I listen to so many different uh, podcasts out there because just hearing people with different thoughts, you you do a double take sometimes. You're like, "What what did he just say?" And you get to mm-hmm. listen to it again and hear from another perspective and everything like that. So, well, uh, what are you, where are you trying to go with your podcast exactly? I mean, obviously, Counterflow is uh, is obviously going against the the mainstream paradigm of left and right thinking. But uh, what was your intention when you when you actually really started that?
1: So, I wanted to be able to get a little bit outside of the liberty world bubble that I was in, and uh, I think it's important to feature people from other walks of life uh, that are red pilled because they they exist. You know, it's not just that. The term red pill encapsulates how a certain wing of libertarians see the world because there's, there's communists, you know, God, it's almost hurts me to say that, but there are far, (laughs) there are far leftists that are red pilled on things. We might disagree on maybe uh, the fix or the cure, if you will, but uh, there's people in the music world that are red pilled that have very unique and interesting outlooks on things. And so I just wanted to be able to, with counterflow, uh, talk to people that are not just in the ANCAP bubble, in the ANCAP space. Mm-hmm. And so I. that's kind of why I redid the rebranding. And, and uh, like, for instance, I interviewed yesterday uh, Dr. Sean Baker, and that, that episode comes out on Monday, uh, the 22nd, and he's the one that kind of made famous the carnivore diet okay and he's got a lot to say that's very interesting Uh, you know just the fact that he's put the carnivore diet out there of course he didn't invent it you know eating just meat's been around for thousands and thousands of years but he's kind of promoted it heavily he has been attacked heavily uh, by mainstream outlets we'll say because he says you should just eat meat and so that has all kinds of political ramifications that you might not think about at first. And then he's a giant, man. He's six five, like 240. And he's 10 years older than me and has won multiple powerlifting competitions, strongman competitions, rowing competitions. Hmm. So the dude's a beast. And him and I, we started talking about these people that sit at home on their couch wearing a mask, preaching to all of us. That we can't go outside and we shouldn't go work out and we shouldn't go to the gym. Just the irony that these this this lazy person that wants to sit home and watch Netflix for a year praying that he doesn't get a a disease that's essentially like the flu. Mm-hmm. Uh and preaching to healthy people. So we preached, we preach, we discussed the irony of uh these people that do not care whatsoever about their health, all of a sudden, coronavirus hits and they're trying to tell people like him and I how to live. So uh, anyway, yeah, so I got off a bit of a tangent. But people like that, you know, on Deaths of Tyrants, I probably, I probably would not have thought about getting someone like him on the show. So it, it, it's freed me up a bit to uh, reach out to people that otherwise I may not have.
0: Yeah, I'll have to check out that show. I uh, I heard about the carnivore diet, of course, from uh, Dr. Peterson.
1: Mm-hmm. He's This is the guy that helped. Jordan Peterson and his daughter. Okay, great. Uh, Sean yeah. Baker.
0: Cool. I imagine in your line of work that uh, nutrition and exercise and working out yeah. is uh, is an important part of your daily regimen, right?
1: Yes, it, daily, exactly.
0: It, it really just it blew my mind. So I, I'm not much of a guy, a gym guy, but I love to swim. I was a swimmer in high school, and uh, we got a pool like right across the street from my house here. And uh, when coronavirus hit, the first thing they did is close the pool. Yeah. And I go there and they're like, well, you can put your uh, your account in furlough for a while and, you know, come back in a couple of months and see if uh, you can come back to the gym. I'm like, all right. So I go back and three months later, the, you know, they say, yeah, the pool is open, but uh, you're not allowed to use a locker room.
1: Oh, or do you have to get in it with those face shields too?
0: Well, I, I don't know. I didn't ask about the face shields, but you have to wear a mask when you're working out, which didn't make any sense to me at all. Yeah. But my question is, here it is, you know, it's winter time in Illinois, and you're telling me that I can go into the pool, I can't go in the locker room, but I can jump in the water, and then I'm supposed to come out of the water and go back to my car in a freezing cold.
1: Yeah. Right. Without
0: going to the locker room and change it. What kind of sense does that make?
1: Yeah, I suppose they think you could only get COVID in the locker room. Yeah, it, it, that's one of the frustrating things to people like you and me about the COVID rules and and regulations is that there's no consistent logic. And it's this ridiculous. It's so it's for theater. We know that. Um, And yeah, of all times, there's a virus out there that's supposedly very damaging. You know, I had it so I can at least speak on it. Uh, And they want you to sit inside, not get vitamin D in the sun and not exercise at a gym, just sit inside and collect a paycheck that they vote on to give you, bad timing. Bad timing, that's for sure. Didn't make any sense, but it sure made a lot of people happy, which was uh, disappointing to see.
0: So uh, I have uh, a couple of friends I've known that actually got coronavirus, and like you said, they they said it was uh, it was like a flu. You know, mm-hmm. They were out for a couple of days, and I was like, okay, well, what else is new? And I kept telling you know my wife I was like, stop telling me every time somebody gets coronavirus. It's like before this year or last year. You never call me up and say, yeah, my best friend has the flu or my best friend has <laughs> yeah. this cough. It's like, what, what the heck? You know. But mm-hmm. all of a sudden, because the media has made this such a newsworthy story, it's like everybody I know who had coronavirus or who might have gotten or who's been exposed to somebody. It's like, OK, tell me something else. There's got to be something else to talk about here.
1: Yeah. And the flu cases mysteriously just went uh, to almost nothing like historic lows. I don't know if you noticed that as well.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, that's the first thing that coronavirus did is cured the flu and it cured the yeah. age and everything else. Apparently. <laughs> yeah. So um, you you mentioned earlier that you were really uh, you're into Southern culture and history. Yes. That's interesting because, you know, obviously being in Chicago, uh, you know, most of the, the history that I learned in school is, is northern version of history. But well, I was, it is
1: here, too, unfortunately. Yeah,
0: well, I was fortunate because my my brother, actually, my, my mom and my brother moved to Florida uh, when he was in high school. So this was like 25 years ago. And I've been exposed to Southern culture just from hearing from my brother for the last uh, 25 years. I, I really find it fascinating, the different um, the different cultures all around the United States, the different, uh, different history, different versions of history.
1: Yes there's well the the prevailing history is the one typically written by the winners uh, unfortunately but uh, yeah and, and to speak to your point about how many different cultures there are all over the place you know like the I live in a small town here in Texas and I would imagine it's quite a bit different than Chicago right and it's funny that leftists want One governing body to rule everyone and make the same rules, homogenous thought and all of that for everyone without realizing, look, people are different all over the place. We're not all the same. So quit quit trying to force a one-size-fits-all system on everyone
0: one of the guys I listened to Brian McClanahan. Uh, yes. He, he, uh, he calls it Yankeeism. He's like, yes. he, he's, a lot of people use the term Karen, right? Yeah. Or people who try to force a lifestyle on everyone. He just calls it Yankees. I don't know if that term is used in Texas very much, but it yeah. is
1: that that's, I like him a lot too. He's, he's, he's a very good voice. He's big in a Southern history.
0: Well, uh, Buck, I, I, I think that just uh, having this, this world that we live in where we have different voices, different ideas, different uh, people delivering messages is very important. I, uh, I wanted to I wanted to talk to you a little bit just because I like your show. And uh, I think that uh, you're doing the right thing out there. I think that really going out there and, and, and making a difference in people's lives just because of the fact that they can hear different ideas is, is really important.
1: Thanks, man. I'm trying. I'm trying to keep it. It's 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 certainly fun. It's certainly fun.
0: So what's next on the horizon for you? You mentioned that you, uh, you might be retiring. You may not, you you just keep rolling with the, with the podcast. What's got any big plans for the future or what?
1: So, you know, the, the ability to retire is there, but I'm having a lot of fun at work. So we'll see, keep doing that for a while. But yeah, I mean, I, I have nothing but, uh, upward and forward momentum with the show. I I certainly wanted to keep growing it and growing it and I'm having fun doing it. I used to get stressed by it and it, and uh, it's so fun. It's so fun now. It's kind of become uh, a bit on a roll. So it helps, you know, it's it's to this point where I have people writing me to come on. Uh, I, I write other, you know, I reach out to people all the time as well. But I, there was a time when I first started where no one would even, there's no way someone would write me to come on my show. So it's neat to get that feeling now. Um, I just read a piece that Mark Claire put out about the stages of podcasting. And um, so I thought that was very well put. And, and he he kind of went through those stages and I thought oh, that's the, you know, I'm in that number five or wherever he said. So, yeah, it's cool. Um, I love it. And I'm going to keep doing it. Probably just keep doing one one a week uh, for now. My, my God, these guys like Tom Woods that put out five a week and Pete Quinones and Dave Smith that put out three a week. Uh, I know Scott Horton puts out several. I do not know how those people do it. I mean, the stress, uh, like I said, this one a week used to stress me. Now I love it, you know, but it's a good stress. Putting out five a week, I cannot imagine doing that.
0: Well, they probably don't have a full-time job like you and I do.
1: Th- that's true. Yeah. When I go to my job, I'm there for 24 hours. So that cuts several days of my week out. But uh yeah, just just being able to think of so much content, amazing. Those guys are just incredible to, to do what they do. And uh, yeah, so anyway, sorry to rant again and, and ramble, but
0: you know, with this podcast, I like to talk about all kinds of different things. And uh, as we are both podcasters, and you brought it up, just the, the, the stages of podcasting, I'll have to check that out because I feel like I'm in a second stage, you know, kind mm-hmm. of getting more comfortable with it. But even once in a while, you're like, okay, what the heck am I doing here?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mark Clare put it out. It's on. He tweeted about it. It's one of his Substack uh, pieces that he wrote. It's 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 very. It's a good read if 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 you do this like you and I do.
0: All right. Well, hey Buck. Any last uh, thoughts you want to leave with everybody?
1: Um, the thought I want to leave with everyone is check out the Counterflow podcast <laughs> and follow me on Twitter at Buck Rebel B U C K R E B E L. Oh yeah. Here's a thought. You joined it. We got this Telegram group now. And it's pretty damn fun, man. People are jumping in there. It's at the it's on the Telegram app. Uh, Counterflow with Buck Johnson is the room. And we're approaching a hundred people in there right now. And people, there's the yeah, it's neat to meet my listeners and the stuff that everyone shares in these articles and posts and YouTube videos. It's uh that's a white pill in its own. So you guys, if you're listening, join that.
0: Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, I, ch- I checked out uh, your Telegram. I- I'm part of uh, I don't know, probably twenty five different groups. I can't keep up with them.
1: But, oh uh, my uh, gosh! See, I'm I'm in like five. <laughs> that so I'm in a, bu- a couple of groups with a bunch of Hop- ha- Hans Hermann Hoppians, well,
0: there you and, go, uh,
1: and then a the Thaddeus Russell one, and then my own.
0: Well, I got to find, I got to constantly find uh, people with different ideas out there to to make the show interesting. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe I spread myself a little too thin there, but you know. Yeah,
1: 25, my God, the notifications would be going crazy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. So that was my interview with Buck Johnson. I want to thank him for taking his time to chat with me today. You've heard me say on several occasions that I listen to a lot of podcasts and you probably do as well or else you wouldn't even be here. If you are a fan of this show or have listened to at least one of my episodes, I thank you again and just ask one simple thing. Go on to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. Tell me what you think, what you like, what you don't like, so I can continue to improve and offer great value to everyone. In any case, I will continue this mission of finding people who I feel are Invictus. And even if I don't ask them directly, they probably would say yes because in my opinion, anyone who has something interesting to say or is actively engaged in a cause that is pushing the needle forward to better themselves and the world around them is, by definition, unconquerable. So until next time, let us each face this coming week with a white pill perspective. Let us not despair because of the horrible things the system does to and around us. Let's have hope, optimism, and faith that we can use our strengths and talents to make this world a better place, a safer place, but most importantly, a freer place. See you soon.